Hey guys, welcome into another edition of the Reed Foster Podcast. As I, Reed Foster, have a great, well, maybe not great's not the word, but we definitely have a good show for you here today. Uh, don't have a guest joining me, working on one to get uh, to get for later in the week, but uh, just going to be yours truly here for this pod. Going to be a shortened one. Um, wanted to go ahead and just touch on some of the sports stuff this week, and you know, it's it's kind of a weird time in the sports calendar. Um, there's a lot of fun things, but maybe not necessarily a whole lot of interesting things or rather, you know, there's a lot to, to watch, but there's not as much to talk about. You know, we end, you end up with the masters, Patrick, we, Patrick Reed wins the masters yesterday and it's, it's exciting, I guess, but you know, how much is there to parse from that? Uh, it's not like the Masters is really connected to any other part of the golf schedule. It's pretty much, um, all right, Patrick Reed won the Masters. Cool. It's not really going to affect the U.S. Open, the British Open, or any of the other further majors this year. Uh, most likely won't affect who wins the Masters next year. I mean, remember, Sergio Garcia won the Masters last year and then... He was out of it before his first round was even over this week. Um, so, you know, I mean, you end up where it's just with a lot of the sports talk people, and I, and I include myself in this, it's hard to talk about the Masters or any of these other golf tournaments, and it's hard to talk about the NHL playoffs, two of the primary events going on at this time of year. It's hard to talk about those because most people, and I include most sports talk hosts, don't really know the sport well enough to analyze it too well. Uh, are we going to be, how many guys are going to be out here like Ryan Rosillo or Colin Cowherd breaking down Patrick Reed's swinging? You're not going to bring in, you're not going to have someone come in and say like, well, you know, uh, Patrick Reed really used his nine irons very well on the back nine uh, on Sunday at Augusta. And that's what really uh, separated him. Uh, you know, he hit some golf shots. That's kind of what most people have for you. He, he hit some golf shots. Um, and I don't even think that if I dive into it too much further, if I just go in and say, well, you know, actually he was, uh, he putted very well and he, he made some great adjustments. I don't even know if me getting more technical with it is more interesting. It is more interesting either. Um, there, there's just not a whole lot to do with the Masters. It's one of my favorite events in sports to watch, but it's absolutely one of my least favorite sports to talk about because there's nothing to talk about. Uh, and the same goes with the NHL playoffs. And you end up, and you, you know, I follow a whole lot of these guys on Twitter, um, guys who are just general sports talk hosts or people who just generally cover the sports landscape of whatever city they're in. And you notice that whenever these guys are whenever team the NHL teams and whatever city they live in whenever they start being good and they actually have to start following them following the team for their job their analysis is pretty limited it's pretty much wow you know the um uh, the avalanche are playing well today or it's oh you know the uh the capitals not playing that well and that's pretty much it they're saying they did a great job hit some shots didn't hit some shots Maybe they go a little bit deeper and provide some analysis about some po- about some power play numbers. 
you know, uh, because that that's pretty easy to look at. They either scored in the power play or they didn't score in the power play. And you can base so much of it on anecdotal things. Um, and that's another thing where hockey and golf are particularly difficult to talk about. I find, you know, there's not a whole lot of great golf numbers and there's not a whole lot of great hockey numbers to bring it to discussion. So a vast majority of it just has to be anecdotal, has to be eye test stuff for two sports that, again, most casual sports fans aren't watching a whole lot of. You can't, you, you got to have the eyes to have the eye test. Um, and a lot of people just don't. And again, I include myself in it. I, I've watched more hockey this year, this regular season, than I probably ever have. And as much as I'm saying it's really difficult to make hockey talk interesting, I'm going to be doing some hockey talk later in this podcast. Um, so I understand it's a fait accompli. I completely understand the stakes of where I'm at. Um, and you know, so, you know, hard to talk masters, hard to talk golf, hard to talk hockey playoffs, hard to talk MLB when the regular season is barely underway. Uh, am I... Am I really going to freak out too much that the Cardinals' bullpen has blown a couple games in the first two weeks of the season? Eh. I know they did it a bunch last year, but we're still, what, like 10 games in? Really, really not the time to be making grand observations for about anything in baseball. Um, and so the result is that we just end up talking in circles about the NBA playoffs because that's the one thing that is fun to watch and fun to talk about. And it ends up where we talk a lot about the NFL draft. Something that I think is a really interesting thing to talk about. But it's definitely not like a fun event. Um, the majority of my friends aren't... They're, a lot of them are sports fans. But a lot of them are definitely casual sports fans. And some of them are even just casual football fans. And you, unless you're a hardcore, hardcore NFL fan, and it might not even just be hardcore NFL, sometimes you have to be hardcore NFL and hardcore college fan. Unless you're that, you're not paying attention to the NFL draft. So there's a whole segment of the audience that you just can't talk to because they're not going to be watching it regardless. And so it takes what is easily one of the most fun times in sports. I would say that you know, I, I can't, I personally cannot say any time of year is the best time for sports if it doesn't include football. That's just me personally. But I think if you're going from an objective standpoint and you don't have any real preference for what sports you watch, this is absolutely the best time in the sports calendar all year, bar none. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, baseball season getting into swing. You got majors coming on throughout. There's so much to watch. And yet, not a whole lot to talk about. And I mean, the NBA stuff, like how, I, how many more times are we going to discuss? Well, you know, I think the Raptors have great depth, but I don't know if they have the star power to get past LeBron. Yeah, well, I don't know, Skip. Uh, LeBron is great, but the Cavs' defense sucks. How are they going to beat him? Uh, well, more importantly... Are the Warriors going to be healthy enough to beat the Rockets? 
I don't know, man. I just don't trust James Harden in the playoffs. I don't think he's ever going to beat the Warriors. Um, we we got five topics to talk about in the NBA, at least when it comes as it pertains to the playoffs. We got five topics, and those are all going to be exhausted pretty fucking soon. And in fact, those ones might already be exhausted. Um, and that puts people like me in a pretty peculiar position. Pretty peculiar position. Um, want to get you, uh, you know, the NHL playoffs were set yesterday. Want to go ahead and do a quick little preview. I'm going to go a little more in depth with a blog post either tonight or tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. Um, but wanted to get my picks out there. Again, I have been watching the hockey this year, so I know some stuff what's going to be happening. I know I can follow it and actually have a general idea of what I'm watching and a general idea of who to pick. Um, it's going to be a little blasé, but I am picking Nashville over Boston in the Stanley Cup final, which is probably the most popular pick. I know that the Predators are the favorites in Vegas and right behind them are the Boston Bruins. It's right now plus 375 for Nashville, then plus 550 for Boston, followed by plus 600 for Tampa. Um, I just think that you look at it, everyone, I think the East is really wide open. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Tampa got to the final. Wouldn't surprise me at all if a team like Toronto, Pittsburgh, maybe even Washington broke through. I think it's, I think that you look at it, every single team's got some kind of flaw that you can point to. I think that Tampa's got probably the best offense in the NHL, but the defense does leave a lot to be desired. Boston is the most well-rounded team in the East, and that's why I'm picking them. But you do have to consider the fact that there's really not a whole lot of star power on Boston. And come playoff time, that star power is going to matter. Um, But still lean them in the East. I think the West, Nashville is a much better... I think Nashville, I feel a lot more confident than any team in the East. But within that, I think Nashville... Primary, I think Nashville's primary competition is a team that's in their division, the Winnipeg Jets. And most likely, we're going to see Nashville against Winnipeg in the second round. And I think that's going to be, for all intents and purposes, the Western Conference Finals. Whoever wins that series is going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals out of the West and perhaps maybe is going to be the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think Winnipeg and Nashville, both very balanced teams. Neither of them have... Neither of them have really any sort of weakness. You could argue that Nashville is a little more, their strength is a little more tilted towards their defense. Um, But I think their defense is so dominant. Remember, they almost, I think they, I know they swept the Blackhawks last year. They might have shut them out in all four games. That's how dominant this Predators defense was last year. Um, I think they have the star power to take it to another level and with Winnipeg, their home road splits are very concerning. Winnipeg has the best home record in the NHL by a wide margin, but their road record is a little more lackluster. And in a seven-game series where they're not going to have home ice advantage against Nashville, I think that's going to be the difference. So I think Nashville beats Winnipeg in seven in that series, and I think that series is the one that decides who comes out of the West and I think Nashville gets it done this year. I think they're better than than Boston or any other team in the East. Um, so whoever it is, I think Nashville beats them. And they, the Predators get their first Stanley Cup. I would tell you, if you're looking for a sleeper 
The sleeper I identified is the Los Angeles Kings. They're that's who I put my little fifty cent bet on, my little flyer bet on, and that's just simply because the Kings are a team that have already been there. They've won a couple Stanley Cups this decade already, and LA is number one in the NHL in goals allowed and number one in penalty kill. So for as stifling of a defense as Nashville has been, LA has been even better statistically. And LA is not, they're only going to have to play, if they get as far as the conference finals at least, you know, their path to the Stanley Cup would include only one series against Nashville or Winnipeg. And that's so, that's so key. Um, and the NHL, whenever they redid the pod system, it was unbelievable just how important it is to determine what wild card you get. Um, the Avalanche, the Avalanche have no chance. And, you know, they're already banged up. But the Avalanche, because they are in, because they got into the Central Division pod, they have no chance. Because even if they somehow manage to beat Nashville in the first round, they have to play Winnipeg in the second round. Arguably the two best teams in the West. LA is going to be able to avoid both of them en route to the conference finals. And that's why I think they're an excellent dark horse. If you're looking to put some money on a team that isn't one of the big, the bigger clubs, the the favorites, that's who I, who I would pick. The LA Kings. Um... Wanted to quickly touch on the NBA regular season awards. Um, you know, not I'm not going to go through like first team, second team, third team, all NBA. That That's a little excessive for a podcast. But I did want to touch on the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year debates. Uh, and, and it kind of felt like we've been just talking in circles this whole, this whole year. You know, from the NBA is such a long season that We've kind of been discussing, we've been discussing MVP since December or January, and sort of talking in circles, having the same debates of, oh well, you know, James Harden's great, but is he? Uh, is it just because D'Antoni's system is just because he's a great regular season player? Oh well, look at LeBron, but LeBron doesn't play any defense. Well, James Harden doesn't play any defense either. Um, you know, I we. We're trying to make it so complicated. And, you know, I'm as big of a, a fan of LeBron as there is. And I do think that when it comes time for the playoffs to start, which is going to be on Saturday, when it comes to the playoffs, I'm absolutely taking LeBron over any other player. If I'm trying to win a series, I'm taking LeBron to win that. But this isn't who's the best player in the league award. And I think that's what messes up so many people and it's the way we approach all of these awards we approach them in such a warped sense these are regular season awards it's who is who was the most valuable player for the 2017 2018 regular season and for the 2017 2018 regular season James Harden was the MVP. I know statistically LeBron has come pretty close to matching James Harden and in some ways he's surpassed them. Um, But they're pretty close and ultimately, if the numbers are close, you have to take the guy 
on the team that's going to win, that's going to approach, they're not going to get to 70 wins, but they're going to win more than 65 games and be the number one seed in the West, a very loaded conference. Most likely, LeBron and the Cavaliers are going to end up with the four seed in the East, the lesser of the two conferences. And look, I get it. Kevin Love's been out for most of the year. This team has not been all that good. LeBron has really had to carry his weight in a way that he hasn't to normally. That being said, you can't be the four seed in the East. And, you know, we're talking about, I think the East is pretty strong, but it's not so strong that a team led by LeBron James that should win MVP, it's not so strong that they shouldn't at least be a top three seed. And frankly, they should be the number one seed. Celtics have been without Kyrie Irving. They're going to end up being playing the whole season without Gordon Hayward and a quarter of the season without Kyrie Irving. The 76ers, Joel Embiid is going to miss almost a quarter of the season. And even so, that's him and Ben Simmons as rookies. Two rookies leading under that record. And then you have the Toronto Raptors, no real star. I like what DeMar DeRozan's done this year. Kyle Lowry has always been very good. And I love the depth that they have, but I mean, they don't have a single guy that's a top 20 player. Maybe DeRozan's top 20, but that's really pushing it. And LeBron couldn't get his team to be the number one seed? I get that it's a team game. I always, you know, it's, it's very much a team game, but basketball, more than any other sport, the best player should be able to carry you. And LeBron carried the Cavs to the four seed. And I just, I can't give someone whose team is fourth in the East in the lesser conference I can't give him MVP. I just can't. And, you know, a lot of people, and I feel like we're applying the same sort of debate to rookie of the year. Where the people who are, you know, the people who are advocating for LeBron over Harden do it on the basis that, well, come the postseason, I'd still rather have LeBron. He's the better player. Okay? But again, I said regular season. You're overthinking it. You're thinking way outside the scope of the question. And we get to the rookie of the year debate between Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, two of the better candidates we've had in a long time. I mean, they're so good, we aren't even considering Jason Tatum, and he's been unbelievable for the Celtics this year. And you get these people who say, oh, well, it's it's Ben Simmons, and it, it's not even close over Donovan Mitchell. And it's pretty close. And I think the people that are taking Simmons over Mitchell, I think so much of it is just rooted in their belief in Simmons' potential long-term. You know, I, I think that if Ben Simmons can learn to shoot, and I'm not saying he needs to become like Steph Curry, 40% forty-plus percent from three level of shooter. I'm talking about he needs to make a third of his threes. Just enough where other teams have to respect his jump shot late in the game. And if they do that, there's a very good chance that Ben Simmons is the best player in the NBA when he reaches his prime. But that's not what the award is. I'm not, we're not awarding the player that's going to be the best. We are awarding, we're giving the award to the rookie who played best this year. As a rookie. 
And that still may be Simmons. I personally would vote for Ben Simmons. I think that the way he's been passing has been revelatory. One of the best passers I've ever seen, bar none. Easily one of the five best passers I've seen already, and it's one year in. He's an excellent defender. He's got the length to guard all five positions. And he's really led that team. I mean, Joel Embiid has been out for the past couple weeks, and the Sixers are likely going to end the season. If they win tonight against Milwaukee, they're going to end the season on a 16-game winning streak. And Embiid wasn't there for half of those. That's really impressive from Simmons. But let's not discount what Donovan Mitchell's done. He is... He's leading the Jazz in scoring, and if Utah wins tonight against Portland, they're the three seed in the West. And he's leading that team in scoring. And he's a great defender. And on top of all of that, Donovan Mitchell won the slam dunk contest. So don't tell me that it's not close that Ben Simmons is is the rookie of the year. Maybe if you're thinking about what they're going to be down the line. But it's not that obvious. Not at all. Um, And I think the... You know, I mentioned that Utah, Portland tonight is for the three seed. We also have another pretty big game in the West. Timberwolves at Nuggets. The winner makes the playoffs. Loser is out. And the interesting subplot between this is most... Within it, most likely the winner of this game will decide who gets the third-team All-NBA spot at center between Nikola Jokic and Carl Anthony Towns. And we'll go a long way in determining who we think is going to be the better center long-term. You look at it, both of them are 22 years old in their third year, pretty dominant offensive players, but there's still a lot of debate over who you'd rather have. Towns, the more dominant, pure scorer. Jokic, maybe the best passing big man I've ever seen. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but I mean, you you can run an offense through Jokic in the way that you can't run it through any other big man that I've ever watched. Um, but it comes down to, I still think that with, I still think that I would take Towns if I wanted to win a playoff series. If I'm going to win a playoff series, I'm taking Towns. I still think he's a little more talented. They're both pretty bad defensively, but he's got more upside there. He's got the length to be pretty great defensively, um, at least disrupt some shots. But if I'm building a team for the regular season and I just want to win a bunch of regular season games, I'm absolutely taking Nikola Jokic. Because the way he passes, it's not just that he's a great scorer. And he, he's been scoring at pretty well the past few weeks. But he makes everyone else on that team better. He makes all four other players pretty good offensively. And in today's NBA, I mean, that's, that's pretty valuable. I don't know how valuable it is come playoff time. I don't think that Jokic can be your best player if you're a team that wants to win multiple playoff series. But if you want to win 55 games, Nikola Jokic is your man. And it's like I was saying with MVP. You could say 
that LeBron should be MVP because he's the best player in the league. That's not what the award is. The award is the most valuable player in the regular season 2017-2018. And third-team All-NBA center is for the 2017-2018 regular season. Not who I'd rather have in the playoffs. And for that, you got to give it to Jokic. You just don't make these questions more complicated than they need to be. But you end up with a long season, you overthink it. We have so much time to think in circles that eventually someone will just bring up a counterpoint just to make the conversation a little more lively. Someone will say, well, why aren't we bringing up Damian Lillard in the MVP discussion? Why isn't Anthony Davis being brought up? Why isn't LeBron being brought up? Don't they, don't they belong in the conversation? And then somewhere along those lo- somewhere along the way, saying that someone should be in the MVP conversation turns into some hot take artist getting up there and saying, well, LeBron's the MVP and it's not even close. They're just bored. That's why they're not voting for LeBron. No. They're not voting for LeBron because his team is going to finish fourth in the East. To quote... To quote LeBron, sheesh. <laughs> <laughs>